Welcome to Being Better Podcast, where we explore the things that make us happier, wiser, and more productive beings. Hi, my name is Julia, and I am your host. Every week, I take a concept, a technique, or a story to learn how it can make us better. I hope that this show can help you become the person you've always wanted to be. So here we go. How's it going? And welcome to the Being Better podcast. I'm Julia, your friend and partner in crime when it comes to all things related to health, happiness, learning, productivity, spirituality, and compassion. I love that I get to spend this time with you, and thanks so much for tuning in. And before I get into the rest of this episode, let's stop right here for a second and talk about my recommendation for you. And this week is going to be an amazing book that I've recently read titled Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. It is a masterfully written novel that's made up of a murder mystery plot a coming-of-age story, and just a celebration of nature and wonderful descriptions of wilderness. And I don't know how about you, but for me, it is the best kind of combination there is when it comes to literature and novels that I read. And I know that I may be a little late to the party when it comes to this book, because since it was published in, I think, 2018, it has become a huge hit and has won many awards and a lot of people talked about it. I know that by December 2019, the book has sold over like 4 million copies and it was also um, number one for 2019 on Amazon's list of most sold books in fiction so yeah I know it is a great book but you know for some reason I have not read it earlier so when it comes to the plot the book describes the story of the main character Kaya known in her town as the marsh girl so she grows up in a shack out in the marshes bordering a small village on the coast of North Carolina her mother and her four older siblings all leave to get away from their abusive father, leaving her behind to fend for herself. And eventually her father disappears as well. And the book follows the ups and downs of her lonely life in the wilderness. But her story is also a hopeful one as well. With a little help, she's able to survive and even learns to read and educate herself on the nature that surrounds her. So despite her status as an outcast, her intelligence and natural beauty catches the eyes of two men in town. However, when the body of Chase Andrews, the local hotshot, is discovered in the marshes, she quickly becomes a prime suspect. So I loved this book. I found it very captivating. But for me, I think at the beginning, the narration of the story of her childhood was kind of painfully real and almost tangible. And I stayed just for the writing because I thought it was beautiful and the descriptions of the wild were just very, very vivid. And I think that sticking to reading it was really a great decision because I got incredibly captivated by the murder mystery thread and everything it's such a great book i really recommend it so if you are looking for a great novel to add to your to read list definitely 
go for where the Kordat Sang book, I think you will not be disappointed. And then if you read it, you can send me a message on our Instagram or using our email and tell me how you enjoyed the book. I would really love to discuss it with you. And now, as you probably noticed from the title, the main topic of this episode is going to be climate anxiety. And climate anxiety is just a broad term that basically describes a range of negative emotions such as fear, worry, anger or insecurity which are caused by the awareness of the ongoing climate change or what I prefer to call the climate crisis. So for about, I don't know, four or five years now, I've always experienced some kind of climate-based anxiety almost non-stop. Albeit it was rarely intense and most of the time it was just this feeling, I mean it was a constant feeling in the back of my head that we are just all heading in a bad direction and I have to do all I can to change that. So this thought that being in nature is my favorite place in the world and I am losing a part of it every day or actually every minute has rarely left me in the past few years. So this quiet yet constant feeling is one kind of climate anxiety. However, in the past weeks, I have experienced a different and more intense version of it. You know, the one that makes you so depressed that you lose all optimism, all hope and all faith in humanity that you don't even have the power to do anything anymore. You just feel like waiting for the inevitable doomsday because you cannot break free from the thought that, you know, we are all fucked and it's too late to unfuck things. And I know that for some people this might seem a bit dramatic and over the top, but I swear to you that climate anxiety is real. And depending on how passionate you are about the health of the planet, the level of this anxiety will differ from person to person. And for me, nature, the animals, the ecosystems around the world are all topics very dear to me and very important to me. And therefore, in recent weeks, when I heard about, you know, first the record-breaking 48 degrees Celsius, or I think it was like 118 degrees Fahrenheit in British Columbia, or when I read about the one-in-a-millennia floods in Western Europe, or the extreme wildfires in Greece, or California, and Algeria, among many other places, or about the fact that it has actually rained at the summit of Greenland, which has never happened before because it is not supposed to happen, or about the extreme weather conditions such as the current flooding in China or the drought in Syria or the hurricanes in Mexico. I mean, those are just the recent events from the past month or so. And I could go on and on, but I know that this is not the point of this episode. But basically what I want to say is that, you know, it is bad. It is very bad. And when I read about all of these disasters, I got extremely, extremely anxious and depressed in the way that I never have before. And that might also have been amplified by the fact that I had some other problems going on at the time that I was thinking about. But still, I think my mental breakdown was justified 
and it got to a point where I just felt hopeless. I mean, I lost all faith in humanity and I just felt this emptiness inside of me. I don't know if you can relate. So I cried my eyes out because I didn't know what to do. And that's usually my go-to response whenever, you know, I feel like I'm falling into a fucking bottomless pit. But then after all that crying, I realized that, well, this is not the right way to deal with this climate anxiety. So I got up, I got my shit together and I dealt with it in a better way and one that I'm going to share with you today so you don't have to go through this kind of mental breakdown as I have because, well, it's not fun. So yeah, let's actually start at the beginning and talk about what climate anxiety is and what science has to say about it. And the studies that I found, which I'm going to link in the episode description for you to see, Uh, They say that climate anxiety is a term that describes a range of feelings such as anger, worry and insecurity stemming from an awareness of a warming planet. It is proven that climate change is negatively affecting the mental health and emotional well-being of people all around the world. And the literature shows that first there is a clear relationship between increased temperatures and the number of suicides. And then that there is clear evidence for severe disasters following extreme weather events. And that people who meet criteria for mental illnesses are more vulnerable to the effects of climate change on physical as well as mental health. And the climate crisis threatens to disrupt the provision of care for people with mental illness diagnosis. And lastly... Climate change exacerbates mental distress, particularly among young people, even for individuals who are not directly affected. So even if I do not live in areas of ongoing wildfires, which I don't, I still can be under extreme, extreme stress because of these wildfires, which is pretty uncommon when it comes to these kinds of things we are anxious about. And now let's also talk about the effects of this anxiety and what the science has to say about how it translates to our day-to-day life. And of course, first, let's tackle the negative effects, which are a bit more obvious. And they are that higher temperatures are tied to depressive language and higher suicide rates, which, I mean, is understandable because if you are already experiencing stress and depression for other reasons, and in today's world, there is a wide range of reasons to pick from, it is obvious that the added stress of the changing climate will be too much for you to process and since the crisis is defining our future some people even may think that you know there's no point to continue living in a world that is going to experience more and more extreme weather conditions and scarcity in resources so that may also amplify their suicidal thoughts which is not something that we want These studies also have found that extreme weather conditions like fires or hurricanes and heat waves have been linked with trauma and depression as well as an increase in aggressive behavior and domestic violence, which I have never really thought about before, but it absolutely makes sense. 
And an important thing that these studies have found is that younger people experience this anxiety much more severely than older generations. For example, the American Psychiatric Association found that 67% of Gen Zs and 63% of millennials are somewhat or very concerned about the impact of climate change on their mental health compared to 42% of baby boomers and 58% of Gen Xers. And therefore, we can see how this stress influences their education, their social life, which, let's be honest, were already stressful even without the stress coming from climate anxiety. So these are all negative effects, which I think if you are listening to this podcast, you are probably a young person and you are experiencing this stress and you know how it influences your day-to-day life. And You know, when it comes to positive effects of climate anxiety, there aren't really a lot of them that I found, apart from that some researchers argued that climate anxiety, quote, may be the crucible through which humanity must pass to harness the energy and conviction that are needed for the life-saving changes now required, unquote. And as much as I can see how trauma and stress can be a driver, a motivator, in my case at least, climate anxiety has led me to be more paralyzed rather than motivated to take action. And I also found a study that proves that, and that is one from June 2020 that found that climate change anxiety is correlated with emotional but not behavioral response to climate change. And I mean, that makes sense. I think positive emotions such as ambition or wanting to protect and preserve are much more sustainable drivers rather than negative emotions such as fear or anger or guilt. And I think that rule also applies to many other areas of our life. So I see how for some people, climate anxiety can be... A driver to live a more sustainable eco lifestyle but I don't think that this driver you know fear and anger can be and one that is sustainable in long term and now that we know how serious and bad climate anxiety is let's move on and talk about how to deal with it and how to not let it overwhelm us like you know it has overwhelmed me And I would say that before you start taking any kind of action, you need to first acknowledge that your feelings are absolutely justified. I mean, it is only natural to feel anxious in the face of a melting planet and the sixth mass extinction. In some ways, climate anxiety is a rational response because eco-anxiety is a natural response to a threat and this is a very real threat. So first we need to acknowledge our feelings instead of what I have always done which was you know push them away and constantly feel that sense of discomfort for years instead of resolving it. I did not pay attention to why and what I felt. But this anxiety is a rational response to risk, 
to the growing risks of the climate crisis and we should not hide from it or ignore it. Our emotions are not something to be just solved and rather than shove concerns about climate away, we need to identify them and realize that they are there for a reason. Embracing them makes us that much stronger. And also another thing I would say is, you know, remember to cut yourself some slack as well. It's okay if you feel pessimistic and unmotivated when it comes to sustainability and climate. I mean, beating myself up even more because I should be optimistic and I should be working toward change. It has not helped me ease my anxiety. So I'm here to say that it is okay if right now you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Because sometimes it can just feel like you have done all you can. And even if you are extremely passionate about sustainability as I am, at some point you can feel like you have done all you could and that work and all this sacrifice is not contributing to anything. You know, these last weeks I was angry that I put so much effort into recycling, thrift shopping, not using plastic, eating a plant-based diet and supporting small businesses and I'm making all this effort. However, I just feel like it's not working. Things are just as bad as they were. But then I realized that, you know, this is not fair. And if you feel the same way as I did, then please stop because the part that you play when it comes to your lifestyle and the changes you can make is very insignificant in comparison to the actions of governments and big corporations. It is unfair if your government is putting pressure on you to recycle, but at the same time it is investing in oil drilling companies. So as much as I think we all need to play our part in saving the planet, I also think it is not fair to put all the pressure on consumers. It is simply not right and it's not fair. You know, most people cannot afford to be as sustainable. They cannot afford not to buy single-use packaging. So it is unfair for, you know, social media influencers or celebrities to preach that these people should take action while they are spending their millions on traveling by, you know, private jets. So if you truly feel like you are doing all you can and it's still not enough, please stop and do not feel guilty. We need to demand change from governments and corporations because that is what will make the biggest difference when it comes to our current situation. Switching to renewable energy sources and stopping factory farming is what the governments should focus on and not how long you are taking a shower or if your LED light is on or off when you go to the other room. So I'm not saying that we should all stop trying to be sustainable and stop recycling because I think that we should still all do the best we can to save the planet. However, I think if you are doing all you can, please do not feel guilty about wanting to do even more because at some point you have done all you can and actually what we should focus on is the big change the systemic change when it comes to our countries and laws and governments and the sources from which we have energy and 
and it's not something that you should demand from yourself because you know you are just a small part of this whole huge system and you should not feel guilty when these people who actually have the power are just keeping it and spending it to fly on these private jets and getting richer and richer and richer and building these huge empires of companies okay sorry i got a little angry there it's just it's my weak spot when it comes to these big companies and well government in action but well now let's talk about how I dealt with my anxiety and how we can stop being anxious and become motivated again. So the thing that I think helped me the most was going into nature. So if it's possible for you, go into rural areas and places where there isn't a lot of human activity, just, you know, to your forest or to your lake, somewhere where you appreciate that you are alone in the wilderness and that will help you reconnect with nature and see that not all is lost and also it can help you gain power to fight for the planet for me going on a hike in those beautiful mountains in croatia and seeing wild rams has helped me regain hope and see firsthand what i'm fighting for it has helped me remember that this is actually what I'm fighting for and this is still here and I can still save it. And right, not all is lost. And maybe it sounds kind of stupid, but I have forgotten that there are still some places which are not touched by human hand. So that's the first one. Go into nature and reconnect. And the other one is take action. Action is the antidote to anxiety. And, well, there's no single solution that's best. So instead, the goal is to do things, small or large, that mean something to you and reflect the internal shift in your outlook. For instance, people often associate energy efficiency with turning off lights, but a single use of clothes dryer uses as much electricity as running a standard LED bulb for 13 days. So take action, whatever that means to you. If it means organizing a cleaning event in your city or community, that would be awesome. If that means trying to eat less meat, that's great. It really makes a difference. Whatever effort you know is still possible for you and there are a lot of small changes you can make i'm sure you know about them if you don't i'm gonna link some articles if you know that there's still something you can do i think action really eases the anxiety and makes it less paralyzing For me, taking action, even if it's just talking to my friends and family and inspiring them and seeing how their mind is changing, it just gives me hope and gives me this faith in humanity that, like I said, I lost. And dealing with climate anxiety is simply just that. It's just all about regaining hope and whatever action that helps you do that please do it because there's just no point like i said earlier 
climate anxiety is not productive in any way. It's not going to motivate you and there's just no point in sitting and, you know, waiting for the doomsday. Actually, we need to motivate ourselves in other ways and regain that hope. And another tip for dealing with climate anxiety is to look for like-minded people and build a community. Because as the pandemic made clear, when people don't talk about anxiety, the resulting isolation can lead to depression and maybe even worse. So a great way to deal with that discomfort, stress and anxiety is to talk with your friends and family and people who also are passionate about the climate and share what you feel. Maybe they have gone through the same thing and they can share with you how they dealt with it. Or maybe you just can find comfort in sharing what you feel. Building a sort of community like that and sharing your difficult thoughts can actually help you so much and you can become a support system for one another and a great quality of all communities is that they grow so maybe just because you wanted to share your anxiety with someone and actually you have found like-minded people may turn out to build a great community of people who are passionate about the climate and maybe you can start a new organization or your local community who will work towards living more sustainably you never know however if in your closest environment you don't have friends or family who are passionate about the climate and are not willing to you know talk about it with you there are also informal gatherings called climate cafes which are organized all around the world that aim to bring people together to share feelings and reactions to the climate crisis other groups combine community also with action so i'm sure you can look for that in your area but also you can find groups online. I personally have found a website called the Good Grief Network, which connects people all around the world and offers a 10-step program that helps individuals and communities build resilience by creating spaces where people can lean into their painful feelings about the state of the world and reorient their lives toward meaningful action. So I have not yet tried their program but I will be probably in the next couple of weeks and if you too would like to you know overcome your climate anxiety and also get into a community of like-minded people I will link this website in the episode description so you can check them out I am very curious about how it will look like and my last tip for you is to accept imperfection and like I said cut yourself some slack because it is all about making your sustainable action sustainable in the long term. And what I mean by that is if you obsess over perfection and the ways you can be more sustainable, even more eco-friendly, it can actually lead you to burnout and you can stop and lose all your hope and lose all your energy and drive. And actually, it can make you forget about why you are doing it in the first place. Because if you focus so much on the ways you can be sustainable and if you shop in eco stores and buy from ethical brands and organize, you know, strikes and do all of that action, it can actually make you disconnect from nature and make you spend less time in that and forget about why you were actually doing it in the first place. Uh, for me, that has happened for sure. 
And I think, you know, the point of all of this is for us to be living connected to nature and surrounded by nature and not fight it, but live in harmony with it. And I think a great way to be sustainable is to, you know, instead of going to the cinema, going to a national park and going on a walk and spending time in nature and showing others that this is a great way to relax and be happier and maybe it's a better way to spend your Saturday than, you know, watching Netflix. And I think reconnecting with it and not obsessing over the current climate disasters and reading all these articles can actually just, right, make you forget about how much wilderness there there is and how much of it you can protect and, you know, build that lasting connection and get that dose of optimism. So this is how I dealt with my climate anxiety and it's how I still am planning on dealing with it in the future because I don't think it will just disappear and never happen again. If you have any other ideas and other ways that you deal with your climate anxiety, then definitely feel free to share it with me. I would love to read about it. And now when it comes to the inside of this week's segment, I want to talk about how I changed my relationship with journaling. Because I have always thought about journaling as, you know, you are writing how your day went and also writing about how you felt about those things and writing your feelings down. And I think that approach was so fucked up. I don't know if I actually talked about this in a previous episode. I'm just so afraid right now that I have talked about it in some previous inside of the week segments. I hope I have not. If I have, sorry, I guess I'm repeating myself, but I've rediscovered that. Um, so yeah, I thought that this approach that you should write your feelings down, write your whole day is how you should journal. And this has made me not actually want to do it and dread it. And I know that journaling is great and it helps me. Um, but yeah, I just found that I don't like really writing how my day went and all that I have done and how I felt about it. It just, I don't know, fe- felt not really pleasant. So I thought about how I can make my journaling practice better for me and something that I could actually look forward. And I've realized that I really like journaling prompts. And sometimes I just choose a prompt like, what is your relationship with religion or spirituality? And then you can write down your thoughts about that. However, if I wake up and I do not feel like, you know, writing three pages but I just want to get the effect of journaling without actually needing to write all those pages, I write in bullets. I write three things that I'm grateful for, three things that I want to let go of, how I would like my future self to be like, what qualities I need to work on today if I want to get closer to that future self and there are so many great those bullet prompts like that 
I think this approach is called future self journaling, but I'm just, I did a little twist on that and made it a bit more my own. But I just found that it makes me actually enjoy journaling because it's just easy and I have so many habits and routines that I want to keep that if I added to the list journaling that takes you know 30 minutes it would really not be possible for me to actually consistently practice it so getting the best result from journaling just by doing it for five minutes every day has actually been so so helpful so if you too struggle with you know being consistent with journaling try just doing these bullets that three things that I'm angry about right now maybe you know I like three but it doesn't have to be three the thing that I'm angry about right now the thing that makes me anxious about right now and actually writing it down in bullets you don't have to explain yourself why you're feeling angry but just writing that that is because and just having one sentence I think it's so helpful and there sure there are some people who actually love writing whole essays about their days and who they met and why that felt that way and you know I am really admiring those kind of people but I am not that kind of a person so if you two are then feel free to try other ways I think journaling is such a great way to be self-aware and to get to know yourself better so getting all of these benefits without actually spending 30 minutes on writing I think is so so great so yeah thank you so much for listening to this episode and listening to my insight and I wanted to say that you look lovely today your smile makes everything better so please smile more for me today and I will speak to you very very soon is edited and produced by Julia Spohr. If you want to learn more, visit the website attached in the episode description or visit our Instagram page, which you can find in the episode description or at beingbetter.pod. If you want to support the show, there are a couple of ways to do that. The first one, the best one, and the most effective one is just to tell your friends, your family, your enemies, and just people who you think might enjoy the show that you like it and why they might like it as well. You can also share it on your social media platforms. Another way to support us is to write a review, rate, and subscribe to the podcast because that helps with the algorithm and that helps new listeners find the show as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and I will speak to you in the next one.